Good morning, Sugar Creek family. It is always a pleasure to worship with you guys. My name is Ender Palencia, and I have the joy of serving this great church as a pastor of mission. And on behalf of our lead pastor, Dr. Mark Harmon, I wanna welcome you to this service. Uh, if you're online or if you're at Richmond, Rosenberg, Missouri City, or Sugarland Campus, we are just glad that you are here worshiping with us. So we are thankful for you, and we hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. You know, uh, four years ago, around this time, my family and I were on vacation in the beautiful coastal city of Veracruz in Mexico. And when we were there, we found out that they had just built a brand new playground right by the sea. They have this walkway on the seashore, and, and at the end of the walkway, they built this beautiful uh, uh, playground for children. And when you are a father of three little kids, and they tell you there is something for free that the kids can be entertained for a couple hours, that's what you do. So that's what we did. We took the car, parked the car there close by, and unloaded the kids and started walking in that direction. We're walking in this walkway, and before we got to the playground, the new playground, we actually ran into the old playground. And when we saw it, it made us realize why they built a new one. The poor thing looked just sad. I mean, it had been there for years, and between the salt and the sun and the years, the thing was just kind of falling apart. It had seen better days. I'm sure it was nice at one point, but that day, it didn't look nice at all. But my daughter, my oldest, who was only four years old at the time, she didn't know any better. We told her we were going to a playground, and she saw the playground, and she thought it was it. And so she tried to play in this playground, even though it was falling apart and it was rusty and it was just not safe, even, she tried to play in this playground. And I tried to kind of explain to her, baby, this is not it. There is something much nicer than this ahead. But she was so distracted and so focused on what was in front of her, she was so afraid of missing out that she wouldn't let go. She didn't want to go. And, and I'm going, baby, there's something better. You need to trust me. And in fact, I actually walked a little farther and I could see the other playground in the distance and I could see the slides and I could see the swings and I could see, hear the laughter of the children and, and I, it just broke my heart that my daughter was missing out on what I had planned for her because she was just so focused on what was in front of her. But see, the more I meditated on that later, the more I realized that I actually do the same thing that my heavenly father has an incredible plan for my life and he wants to do incredible things in me and through me. And there are so many times that I'm so focused on what is in front of me, in my own plans, in my own goals, in my own uh, ways of finding uh, joy and entertainment that I miss out on what the father wants to do in me and through me. And I have a feeling that I'm not the only one who struggles with this. That uh, all of us human beings have a tendency to have this struggle that there is this creator, this amazing God who has an incredible plan for our lives. He wants to do incredible things in us and through us and many times we miss him because we're just focused on what we think is best for us. Too often we miss the amazing things that God wants to do in us and through us because we get distracted by what is in front of us. We get caught up in life and in the responsibilities that we have, in the bills that we have to pay, in the work that we want to do, in the goals that we have, in the fun that we want to have, that we miss the true reason why we're here, what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. We completely miss it. But see, God doesn't want us to miss it. He wants us to experience him and to encounter him and to experience his power. 
We've been in this sermon series for the last few weeks. We've titled Encountering God Day by Day. And we have learned that we can actually have a personal relationship with God, that we can actually encounter the almighty God. That through his son Jesus, we can have a relationship with him. And we encounter him through a, a life of worship and we can encounter him through a life of prayer and we can encounter him through a life of faith and by living by the word of God. And today, through that very word, the word of God, he is going to let us know that one of the greatest way we can encounter God is by living for his mission. When you look at scriptures, you see that the men and women that were used by God in a mighty way also struggled with the same thing that we struggled. They also got distracted with what was in front of them. And oftentimes they were about to miss what God wanted to do in them. And God had to intervene and remind them, there is something greater that I have for you. There is something greater that I have created you for. In fact, the disciples of Jesus Christ had to have this reminder. And Jesus gave them this reminder in the last face-to-face conversation that he had with them. And we find that conversation in the book of Acts in chapter one. If you have a Bible, you can go there. But as you look for it, let me just tell you that this is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This means that these men have followed Jesus for three years already, and they have seen him live a perfect life. They have seen him perform incredible miracles. They have seen him also be arrested and be crucified and be put in a tomb. So they had all sorts of questions in their minds and to make things even more interesting, on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead and he showed up and now they're seeing him alive again. And he was around them for 40 days and the 40th day, he invited them to, again, a one last face-to-face meeting. He called them to go to this mountain called the Mount of Olives, just outside of Jerusalem. And there, he reminded them that they were meant to live for something greater, but that they had to look at life from the right perspective. And so I want us to read part of that conversation in Acts chapter one, verses six through 11. I'm gonna read those and then we'll take it apart little by little. It says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So that's the text, and you see why I said this is the last face-to-face conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. He had the conversation, and then he ascended into heaven right before their eyes. And now in the conversation, you see that Jesus tells them that they had a mission, that they had a purpose, that he had called them to live for something incredibly amazing. Here's a question that I want you to kind of wrestle with. Jesus had already told them that he was gonna go to a much better place, that he was gonna prepare a place for them in that better place, a place where there is no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no suffering, there's no bills, there is no cancer, there's no work, all these things that we don't like, there's none of that. It's only the presence of God forever and ever. And yet Jesus ascends into heaven and leaves them behind. Why is that? 
It's because he had a mission for them. It's because he had a purpose with them or for them being here on this earth. That's why. And he tells them here what that purpose is. But before he tells them what that purpose is, he has to wrestle with what was going on in their hearts. He had to help them understand that they couldn't get distracted by what was in front of them, that they had to see the bigger picture and understand that his plan was bigger than anything they ever thought or imagined they could be a part of. He was inviting them to be a part of something incredibly amazing. And you and I get the same invitation that they got. See, God invites us to encounter him in a mission greater than anything else that we can be a part of. He invites us to join him in this mission and it's greater than anything that we can accomplish on our own. But the disciples couldn't see it and that's why Jesus had to give them the right perspective. Look at what he says in verses six and seven. He says this, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. See, sometimes we think of the disciples and we think of them as this kind of supernatural, superhumans that, that we cannot relate to them, but they're actually ordinary people like you and I. Uh, they were normal people with struggles like we have. They were tax collectors and they were fishermen. They, they, they had just a normal life until Jesus called them and began to transform them. And in this question that they asked, we see that they had a similar struggle to the struggle that we have. They were also looking at what was in front of Ben and being distracted uh, from what God wanted to do in their lives and through their lives. These men were Jewish men in the first century. This meant that they had been oppressed by the Roman Empire for a long, long time. And before the Roman Empire, they were oppressed by the Babylonian Empire. This means that they had been oppressed and they had not had freedom as a nation for a long, long time. And they were ready for that. They wanted that. They desperately wanted to solve that problem. And so every time they heard a prophecy that was given 600, 700 years before their time about a Messiah, about a savior that was to come, they thought that this Messiah, that this savior would come to set them free from the Roman Empire. In their minds, their biggest enemy was the Roman Emperor. And their biggest problem was the oppression that Rome had on them. That's why they asked the question, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. They were looking at the problem that was in front of them. But Jesus very graciously reminded them that, they, that he had something so much greater in mind. He said to them, he said, hey, it is not for you to worry about that. He basically says, it's not of your business when God is going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And he was not saying that to be mean to them. He was saying that to help them look at the bigger picture, to help them understand that they were created for something greater than the problem that they had in front of them. See, Jesus knew that their biggest enemy was not the Roman emperor, but Satan himself. And Jesus knew that their biggest problem was not the oppression that Rome had on them, but rather the oppression that sin had on them and the rest of humanity. Jesus knew that the problem was in their heart, but Jesus also knew that he had already taken care of that problem. That the moment that he died on the cross after being the only human being to ever live a perfect life, then God took that perfect life as a perfect sacrifice for, to atone for the sins of humanity. 
And he knew that the moment he rose from the dead, he defeated the enemy. And the enemy could have nothing else to hold on to uh, the people that place their faith in Jesus Christ to be their savior. See, Jesus knew that the kingdom that he was building was bigger than any kingdom that Israel could have on this earth. He knew that he was building the kingdom of God a kingdom made up of people from all tribes and all nations, a kingdom that will last for eternity. And so Jesus lets them know that that's what he wants them to be a part of, that he was calling them, inviting them to be a part of something greater than the problem that was in front of them. It was a real problem, don't get me wrong. But Jesus had something so much greater in mind for them. Listen, you and I have the same struggle. Sometimes we get so caught up, again, in our work, in our responsibilities, in our own plans, in our goals, the things that we want to accomplish, in the ways that we think we're gonna find joy and entertainment and and distraction and happiness, that we don't experience the life that God has for us. We don't live for our purpose and time is passing by and we're not enjoying the life that God wants us to enjoy. See, our worry about our circumstances and our well-being on earth can rob us of the joy that comes from living for our true mission, for our true purpose. He has a purpose for us and we're missing out because we're distracted by what is in front of us. Now, don't, don't miss here what I'm saying. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't work. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to school. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have responsibilities and pay our bills. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't hear that. Don't take it to the extreme. What I am saying is that God calls us to flip the order of things, the way we live. See, if we are honest, we have to confess that the way we live, we spend our lives trying to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish, and we spend most of our lives trying to fulfill those desires that we have in our hearts and working and providing and getting education and doing all these things because we think that if we do all those things, then we're gonna have the joy that we're looking for. And then if we have some time left and some resources left, then we think about the kingdom of God. But Jesus invites us from the very beginning of his ministry to flip the order of things, to understand that we were created to live in light of the eternity, that we're simply passing through on this earth and there is something greater ahead that we can live for. In fact, when you look at a portion of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, a great sermon that Jesus preached We find it in Matthew chapters five through seven, but in chapter six, verses 31 through 33, you see Jesus talking about this very thing. This is what he says. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, Jesus invites us to look at life from a different perspective, to live in light of eternity, to understand that we were meant to live for something that will last forever and to build a kingdom. And when we live that way, he will make sure that we have absolutely everything that we need on this earth. I can't tell you how many times he has proven to be faithful of that in my life. It is only when we understand life from that perspective that we can see the power of God unleashed in our lives and through our lives. That was the very thing that the disciples were going to learn next, that they could only experience the power of God in amazing ways when they learned to encounter Jesus in his mission instead of the mission that they have to have their own kingdom. 
And the same is true for us. We experience God's amazing power when we encounter him in his mission. Look at verse eight, see what it says again with me. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That word power is a unique word. It describes a supernatural power. It describes a power that is beyond what any human being can accomplish in their own effort with their own abilities. It describes the power of God. It's the word dunamis. And it's where we get the word dynamite from, the explosive power of God. That's what it is describing. And Jesus said to them, you are going to receive this kind of power at some point in your life. And he tells them when. He says, you're gonna receive this power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In other words, Jesus is saying there's gonna be a time in which the Spirit of God himself is going to dwell in you. And because of that, you are going to see the power of God in your life and through your life. This is what he said to the disciples in that last conversation that he had with them. But see, Jesus had already prepared them for them. He had told them that this was going to happen. In John chapter 16, which is before uh, Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, I'm going away. He tells them, I'm not gonna be with you here physically anymore. And naturally, they get concerned. They're going, what, what the heck? Why are you leaving us? And he said to them, don't worry. It is actually better for you that, that I go away. Now think about that for a moment. They're with Jesus, the savior of the world, the Messiah. They're seeing all these incredible miracles and he says to them, it is better for you that I go away. And he tells them why. He says, because when I go, the helper, the helper will come. And the helper is the Holy Spirit. That's who he's talking about. So this is what Jesus was saying to them. He's saying, right now, you think it's good because you're seeing the power of God around you through me, but wait, because there's gonna be a, come, a, a time that will come that you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit and you're no longer just gonna see the power of God around you, but you're gonna see the power of God in you and through you because the Spirit of God is going to be in you. And after his death, burial, and resurrection, and after he was around them for 40 days, he tells them, it's about to happen. You're about to see it. You're gonna see the power of God do incredible things in you and through you. And if you keep reading in the next chapter, chapter two, you see that that's exactly what happened. The spirit of God came upon them and they began to do incredible things that, that they never thought in their lives that they would be able to do. God used them in an incredible way. The power of God was in them. And here's the beautiful promise that you and I can bank on. The Bible teaches that the moment that you and I believe Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of our lives, that very moment that we surrender our lives to him, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live in us. The same spirit that was with the apostles, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the same power is in you and I who have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That means that God can do incredible things in us and through us. And any time that we ask him to move for his glory and to do incredible things through us, he will do it if it is for his glory. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells his disciples that, that God wants to do incredible things through people, even though we're people. And, and, and he says this in verse uh, 13, Luke eleven thirteen says this. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
He's saying if you ask the Holy Spirit to move in your life and to move through your life, he will do it. But here's what you have to understand. He moves for his own glory, not for yours. See, in order for us to experience the amazing power of God, we have to understand that he is about his mission. He is about his glory and not ours. I'm afraid that many of us are not experiencing the power of God the way he wants us to experience it in our life and through our lives because we have misunderstood God's role and our role in our lives. We have come to believe that God is there to do what we want him to do. It's already been said in this sermon series by Pastor Juan Carlos and by Pastor Mark, but God is not some kind of genie that we just kind of call on when we want him to do something and he's supposed to do it. He's the creator of the universe. He spoke the world into being, he planned you. I mean, it's kind of silly to think that his job is to do what we want him to do. He will show his power and use us in an amazing way when we join his mission. See, to experience God's amazing power, we must encounter him in his mission instead of asking him to join us in ours. Some of you go, well, that's not fun. And I kind of want him to do what I want him to do. You might not think it's fun, but it's actually what is best for us. He knows what is best for us. I'll give you an example. God has blessed my wife and I with three precious children. And surprisingly, even though they're my kids, they're actually pretty smart. And they're, they're pretty mature for their ages. I mean, you'd be amazed. They're eight, six, and four. But even though they're smart and they're mature for their ages, they're not perfect. And they don't know what is best for them. They think they do, but they don't know what is best for them. See, all you have to do is look at my daughter four years ago playing in that old playground instead of trusting me to know that she doesn't know what is best for her. If it was up to my kids, they would eat candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If it was up to my kids, they would never bathe and never brush their teeth. And their teeth would fall apart and fall away because all the candy they would eat. If it was up to my kids, they would never sleep. They would never go to school. They wouldn't get an education. See, they think they know what is best for them, but they don't. So my job as their daddy, as their father, is to have a plan for their lives and to guide them to live a better life, the life that I believe is best for them according to the word of God. I wouldn't be a good father if I just gave them everything that they want. That's not how it works. It's not good for them. The best way for them to live is not me asking him to join their plan, but them understanding that I have a plan for them and join me in my plan for them. And sometimes I bless them and I give them what they want, but it's not the norm, it's not the everyday thing. The same is true with God and us. See, God has a beautiful plan for us and he wants to do incredible things in your life and through your life. He wants to use you in amazing ways and he wants to bless you in the process, but you have to join him in his mission instead of asking him to join yours. And his mission, his plan is to redeem humanity. That's why he sent his precious son, Jesus. And that's the plan that we find in the Bible from beginning to end, that he loves the world and he wants to redeem people. And he is inviting us to be a part of it. See, he told his disciples, you're gonna receive that power so that you can be witnesses. There is a purpose for that power. And you and I have the the power of the Holy Spirit in us so that we can be witnesses as well. Some, Some of you might go in there, I don't know about that, man. You're a pastor and you went to seminary, you know all that Bible stuff, I don't know anything. Listen, 
All you need is to know what God has done in your life. Start there. Start telling people what God has done in your life and you see how God uses you. In Luke chapter eight, we find an encounter that a man had with Jesus. And this man had been demon possessed for years, for many, many years. And not just one demon, but many demons. When Jesus asked the name, they said, it's legion, because we're not one, it's many of us. And Jesus had compassion for this man, and he set, them, set him free from these demons. And these demons go into a herd of pigs, and these pigs run off and fall off a cliff, and they die. And so the people in this town, they go, whoa, what just happened? And they get kind of freaked out a little bit, and they actually kick Jesus out of the town. They tell Jesus, I don't know what you got, but we don't want that here, so why don't you go away? And this man naturally wanted to follow Jesus out of gratitude for what he had done for him. And Jesus' surprise, I mean, response might be surprising to you. Look at what he says in chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. It says this, The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. See, he wanted to go with Jesus, and Jesus said, no, 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 I have a better plan for you. Go back. I got to go. They're kicking me out, but not you. You belong here. Go tell them what God has done for you. And he says that he went back, and he told everybody he could what Jesus had done for him. See, living in light of the kingdom, living in preparation for eternity means understanding that we are where we are for a purpose, for a reason greater than anything that we can imagine on this earth. That we are in the job that we're in, not just so that we can get a paycheck, but also so that we can be a witness to people of the love of Jesus in that workplace. That we're in the neighborhood that we're in, not just so that we can get a roof over our heads, but also because there are neighbors around us that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we're in the school that we're in, not just to get an education, but because there are friends in that school and people in that school that desperately need to hear that there is hope in Jesus Christ. God has placed us in this community to be light. And as we reach people, we're able to connect people to the three campuses that we have, and we are able to impact that way the Richmond-Rosenberg community and the Missouri City community and the Sugar Lane community and beyond. In fact, we have partners all around the city of Houston that we do ministry with that you can be a part of and God can use you in a mighty way. And we have partners all around the world, literally, so that we, like the disciples, can have a great impact for the kingdom of God. See, God has blessed us with talents, with resources, and with opportunities so that we can encounter him in his mission. So that we can live for the true purpose that we were given. So that we can live for his glory. See, the only way that we're going to live that way is when we understand how important this mission is. When we understand its urgency. That was the third thing that the disciples had to learn as Jesus was talking to them. They had to understand that to encounter God, they had to understand that this mission was urgent, it was important. And for us, if we want to encounter God, then we encounter God when we understand the urgency of his mission. I want you to see how the disciples understood it. I I love this portion of the text. Look at what he says in verses nine through 11. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Like I said, I, I love this, and I, I want you to picture this moment with me. This actually happened. It's, this is a historical event. And so they're in this mountain outside of Jerusalem, and Jesus tells them, hey, you're gonna impact the world. You guys, you fishermen and tax collectors, you're gonna revolutionize the world. And they're already kind of amazed at everything they had experienced in the last few days. And then to make things even more amazing and interesting, Jesus begins to ascend into heaven, literally, right before their eyes. And so naturally, they start looking up, and they look up, and they look up until they see him no more. He disappears, and they're looking up, and he says that two men dressed in white appear right before them. All scholars agree that these were two angels, and they said to them, why are you looking up? This is what they said. Stop looking up. Why are you gazing into heaven? This Jesus, in the same way that he ascended, is gonna come back one day and he's going to establish this kingdom that he's been talking about. He's going to establish the kingdom of God. He is going to come back. This mission is real and this mission is urgent. This is what he's saying to them. Start living for it. Stop looking up and start moving. This is what these angels are saying to them. Stop being distracted by what is in front of you and start living for the mission. And when you look at the rest of their lives, you see that that's exactly what they did. In the book of Acts, you see in Acts 2 to 7, how God used them to revolutionize Jerusalem, the very place where Jesus was crucified, to tell people that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. Everywhere they went, they did incredible miracles and signs, and every time somebody asked, they said, Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Savior. And because of that, they faced persecution But persecution didn't stop them. They went to Judea and to Samaria, just like Jesus said, and they didn't go quiet. They were those places uh, telling people about Jesus. And you see that in uh, chapters eight through 12 in the book of Acts. And then if you read 13 through 28, you see how this man with no internet, no airplanes, no money, no real jobs, they went to the ends of the earth telling people about Jesus and they revolutionized the known world of the time to the point that today, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about them. We have scriptures and the New Testament because of them and what they did. We have the message of the gospel and eternity with God because these men were faithful and obedient to the task that God has given them. You and I have the same invitation. You and I have the same opportunity. And you think, well, and that's different. They're the disciples, they're the apostles. We, we can't do all the things that we did. We can't, man. Listen, we have everything that they had. Do you know what they had? They had the Holy Spirit of God, which I already told you we have. And they had conviction. They believe what they believe. They believe that Jesus said who he said he was. They had seen Jesus die. They had seen Jesus resurrect. They had seen Jesus perform miracles. And they believe who Jesus was. They had those two things. They had the Holy Spirit and they had the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you and I have the same things. We have the Spirit of God. And I don't know about you, but even though I didn't see Jesus perform all those miracles or I didn't see him die on that cross and then resurrect from the dead, I know that he performed a miracle in my life. Because I know that I was dead in my sin. 
And God in his mercy rescued me through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And he has given me a hope and he has given me a future. And if you have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you have that same hope. You and I have the same gospel they had. Question is, do you have the conviction there? Do you trust that he is who he says he is? You and I have everything we need to encounter God in his mission and make an eternal impact. We can make a difference in our city. We can make a difference in our country. We can make a difference in our world. God has blessed us with plenty of resources to be a part of what he is doing. The question is, do we believe? Do we believe that his plan is better than ours? I'll never forget that day when I was in that playground with my daughter in that old rugged playground falling apart and kind of with a heart broken because she would settle for something that was less than what I had for her. I finally got down to her level and I look at her right in her eyes and I said, baby, I'm your daddy and I love you and I have a plan for you. There is something greater ahead, but you have to let go. You have to trust that what I have for you is better than this. She finally said, okay, daddy. She stretched out her hand and I grabbed her hand and we walked towards this playground. And the closer we got to the playground, the bigger her smile got. And when she finally saw it and we were in a safe place, she took off running and she was able to have fun for the next couple hours and she went down the slide and she swung in the swing and I could hear her laughter and the joy. I could see it in her face. But see, in order for her to enjoy that beautiful moment, she had to trust that her daddy had a plan that was better than what she was holding on to. And the same is true for you and I. God wants to do incredible things in your life and through your life, but you have to trust that your creator has a plan for you that is better than your own plan. And there are some of you who have been trying to find joy and contentment and happiness and you can't find it because you've tried everything but the very place where you can find it. And God is saying to you today, you can find that in my son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life so that you can have eternity with me. Would you trust him? Would you surrender to him? He's giving you an invitation to have eternity with him, starting here, abundant life with him, and eternity with him. But you have to trust him. You have to surrender to his plan and give up yours. I guarantee you it'll be worth it. If you wanna do that, I wanna invite you to do that. At the end of this service, you can, if you're at any of our campuses, at all of our campuses, we have a next step center. You can go and talk to people there. If you're watching online, you can also talk to one of our chat hosts and they will help you in this decision. He wants to begin a transformation in your life right now. You see, the vast majority of us are probably at a place where we have made that decision. We have surrendered our lives to Jesus. But even though we have made that decision, there's still areas of our lives that we're holding on to. And because of that, we're not experiencing the power of God in the way that he wants us to experience it. And God is saying to you today, you can be a part of something greater than anything that you can accomplish on your own right here on this earth. You can be a part of building my kingdom a kingdom made of people of all tribes and nations just like you saw earlier a kingdom that will last for eternity would you join me would you trust me you say in there ah man i don't even know where to start 
I'll give you three things, three simple things that I believe all of us can do. There are three ways that you can participate. One of them is pray. You can pray, all of us can pray. Pray that God would move in our church and through our church. But don't stop there. Pray that God would move in you and through you. Instead of asking God to give you and to provide for you and to protect you and do all those things only, do that. But also ask God, what is your plan? What is your mission? What do you have for me? And I want to join you in that mission. When you pray that way, I guarantee you, you're going to see God begin to do incredible things in and through your life. You can also give. We have partners in our city and all around the world that we're supporting financially. We're sending teams next year to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that is only possible through your generosity. And every year in the month of December, we collect a missions offering. And this year is not gonna be the exception. We need those funds. We have a goal of $800,000 that we need to raise so that we can continue our missions effort. And maybe God is calling you to give radically, generously, so that we can continue to build his kingdom. You can give online or you can give here. But you can also go. God doesn't just want your money. He wants your heart. He wants to use you. He wants to do incredible things in and through your life. And so we have incredible partners in our city with plenty of opportunities for you to go and serve and show the love of Jesus to people in our community. And just a couple hours a week or a month can make a huge difference. And you'll see how God uses you. We also have 13 different mission trips going to many different countries next year. And maybe God is saying to you, hey, would you consider going on a trip this year? Would you consider exploring what I'm doing around the world? God wants to use you. He's inviting you to be a part of it. And all of us can do one, two, or even all three of these things. Before you give an answer, before you say yes or no, before you say that's for somebody else, before you say that's for you pastors, crazy kind, before you give any kind of answer, I wanna invite you to tell the Holy Spirit to guide your answer. So today we're gonna end a little differently. Our worship teams are gonna come out of all of our campuses and we're gonna sing a new song and I wanna invite you to listen to this song and ask the Holy Spirit. Don't think about lunch, don't think about the World Cup, don't think about anything else, but think about what God has said to you right now. Focus in the fact, the very fact that God is right here speaking to you and say, God, would you speak to me before I give an answer on how to participate in what you're doing? Let me pray for us and then we'll see this song and then I'll come back and close us. God, we love you. Use this song and use this message to speak to our hearts so that we don't miss what you want to do in our hearts. What you want to do through us. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name.